0: Hey, pod people, I'm Benjamin Alaco. And I'm Carrie. And this is Last Year's Year's Horror. Horror.
1: It's the horror movie podcast that's always a year behind.
0: This episode, we'll be discussing a movie that reminds us that Stephen King really doesn't trust gypsies. So if you've ever seen Thinner or read that book, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, lay off, Steve.
1: Okay, well, uh, we're going to talk about Dr. Sleep tonight. Well, today? I don't know when you're listening to this.
0: Yeah, this morning, uh, on your drive, on your commute.
1: At the office? Are we going to keep doing this?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. um, On the toilet? (laughs) Yep. Dr. Sleep was written and directed by Mike Flanagan, based on Stephen King's novel of the same name, and serving as a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's iconic adaptation of King's hit novel, The Shining. It stars Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, and Kylie Curran. I probably said that wrong. I'm sorry. Um, It was released in 2019 on November 8th. The music. If it's not this year's, it must be last year's horror, horror. It was a horrible year, but have no fear. It's just horror that we're talking about. Because if it's not this year's, it must be last year's horror, horror. And if it is this year's, we'll talk about it next year on last year's horror.
1: And we're back. Our return... And that was all capital,
0: folks. Return. (laughs) Gotta get the enthusiasm in there. Return! (laughs) Maybe I can add some effects. No, I'm not going to add effects. I'm too lazy. (laughs) Well,
1: our infamous return guest (laughs) is none other than Ian Doherty.
0: Hey, everyone. Hello, Ian. Ian. It has been so long. You... You helped us. Uh, bear with me for this metaphor. Crack the champagne on the ship that is last year's horror because you Aww. you did episode <laughs> three. Yeah. this season.
1: Yeah, I was reminiscing about it at work. I'm not gonna lie.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am, uh, I'm honored and happy to have been able to help you out with that. <laughs> and we're so happy
0: that we're having you back on the show. Yeah, me too.
1: I feel like Ian was the last person we had over at our apartment before COVID
2: started. Oh, wow. <laughs> too actually. Yeah.
1: So you should feel double honored.
2: Oh jeez. I do, yeah,
0: right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's actually crazy. It was like wow. We launched the podcast and it was like lockdown.
2: Yeah, cuz yeah, that would have been back in like January or February.
0: Yeah. Oh jeez. man, those were, those were the days we were so young. <laughs> so naive. <laughs> that's right. Oh man, so we're talking Dr. Sleep.
1: All right, so uh, to kick off our discussion uh, with our friend Ian, I'm going to say it again, we'll start with a round of one minute spoiler free reviews, so if you haven't watched the movies, the movies?
0: (laughs) I mean, mean, it's a sequel, so maybe they haven't seen the original. (laughs) If you haven't
1: watched the movie, no worries. Um I'm going to nominate Ben to go first.
0: Ah, okay. I'm so worried that this episode is just going to become me ranting because I did not like this movie. I don't think it's just because I really like Kubrick's The Shining. I I don't really think that that's it. I think this movie just has sensibilities that I can't really get with and it is very Oh man. It's just so there it's so it does so many things that are unnecessary and it's all over the place and to me it really speaks to the difficulties of Stephen King adaptations because and this is a whole this is a whole topic that we can get into when we really discuss the movie but I feel like Stephen King has this very whimsical cartoonish sensibility and it doesn't translate to film very well at all and he kind of just throws stuff against the wall and sees what sticks and kind of pulls stuff out and and i also feel like he's kind of infamous now for that type of self-indulgence where it's just like just go where the imagination takes you and fuck the narrative like just go with it and I'm sorry if that's a little bit unfair to Stephen King fans. Um, he's, you know, master storyteller. He's godfather of modern horror, all that stuff. But not always my cup of tea. And it's directed by Mike Flanagan, who <laughs> I have a whole thing with I was Mike waiting Flanagan. For you to get
1: into this. <laughs> and the whole time he just kept talking about Mike Flanagan, well, this so... whole movie.
2: Not the like, whole quick time. Quick aside, I remember when the uh, Haunting of Hill House TV series came out. I remember I had cer- I knew certain people that really liked it, and then I <laughs> there were certain people. I remember I think you mentioning it at work once that did not like it very much.
0: I that is actually one where I feel very similar. I I, I actually like that series better than I like this movie. Oh, um, huh. and I think that I liked. I liked parts of that series so much Mm. that its flaws really stood out to me because I could see it had so much going for it, but then it would take these narrative turns or it would rely on these sort of melodramatic and sort of nonsensical plot points that just didn't Mm -hmm. hold up to me in retrospect. So it's kind of like... Carrie and I were talking about this a little bit after we watched Dr. Sleep and then we we're like, we can't get into it. We got to save it for the podcast. But like, <laughs> I feel like so much of Mike Flanagan's work in his recent projects, including The Haunting of Bly Manor, he did a movie called, uh, what the hell was it? Um, Before I Wake, I think it was called. But so much of his movies rely on like this really heavy handed exposition and this really kind of flowery window dressing type scenery and and attention to set detail, which makes for gorgeous, you know, backdrops and scenes and stuff. But when I really look at the substance and what's going on in the plot, I just, I'm like, why is somebody talking at me for five minutes about the theme or the thing that just happened? Do I really need this? And I really feel like this movie does that a lot on top of some other flaws that I think we can kind of target as we talk about the movie in more detail. But yeah, overall, I was, I had no expectations for this movie, low expectations, if anything, (laughs) because I knew all of this going in where I was like, I'm skeptical, you know, but I'm also a blank slate and it really did not win me over. I just talked for a while, so I'm gonna hand this over to uh, Ian. Do you want to go next?
2: Sure. All right. It's interesting. I have lots of thoughts. and I'm trying to figure out what what I should keep to like this one minute spoiler free review yeah. because there's so many things that, to discuss. Um, I I enjoyed the movie well enough. I think one of the most interesting things about it, and it might like I haven't seen a whole ton of Mike Flanagan stuff. I watched the first two episodes of the Haunting of Hill House TV series, and I may have seen other stuff by him and didn't realize it was him. But the thing I found interesting about this movie, especially as it got into like the the middle section, is that like. And I, I wonder if this is indicative of the novel, too, because I haven't read The Shining or Dr. Sleep. I've seen the movies of both um, now. But uh, it it's interesting to me because it's marketed as a horror movie, but I feel like mm. it's not really concerned with being a horror movie. Like, yeah. it's it's really concerned with telling the story, which I, I have a certain amount of respect for that. But it's not it's definitely not a modern horror movie and like the sense of stuff you would typically see uh, uh, in the theaters. If we were able to go to the theaters t- uh, nowadays, which again is another thing that I don't necessarily count against it because there were certain things about it that made me feel like it hearkened to more interestingly, like eighties style horror movies. Um, but we'll get hmm. deeper into that in the actual discussion, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but it, it's, it's a it's a weird thing because it's definitely not the same sort of movie as The Shining, and so it, right. it it sits in a weird place as a sequel. It sits in a weird place as a horror movie, and it sits in a weird place as a standalone movie because it does have that history there, and there are a lot of parts of the movie that pay tribute to that history. Right. Um, so I, I would I would say I, there are, there are moments that I really liked, um, but there are, there are definitely things about it. There are moments where I'm like. This is such a Stephen King thing to do, holy crap. Yeah, <laughs> and other right. things where I was like, huh. Okay. Okay, sure, why not? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it well enough. Fair enough,
1: Carrie. So uh yeah, I didn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> um it was so the thing about Stephen King. I, I can't read a lot of his stuff like I've tried to read mm. many of his books, but I can't because he's so fluffy. And by that, I mean, like he has such like extra like highfalutin, just it's too much. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. It's that self-indulgence.
1: Yeah, because I'm a poet. I'm all about like short, like keeping it. Economy only... of language.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. So I I felt like this movie just did that a lot where I was like, did we really need that? Do we really need it? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's fine that they did it, but we didn't need it. Yeah. And then <laughs> the other part was I remember looking at Ben and being like, how much longer is this movie? And it was exactly in the middle of the movie. And I was like, you've <laughs> got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I had a I, few moments like that, too, where <laughs> I was like,
2: hmm, we're getting pretty. Oh, it's only been an hour and a half. OK. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I feel like that says a lot. Like, I wasn't. Fully engrossed in the world, um, I will say I liked all the actors and actresses. They yeah. were fantastic, yeah, I agreed. also really enjoyed seeing um ewan mcgregor uh puke in a toilet again. It gave me flashbacks <laughs> to train spotting, and now I just want to like reread He's got a lot it of
2: experience,
1: yeah, reread <laughs> it and rewatch it. I love train spotting, and um, yeah.
0: There are scenes. This I don't think this is a spoiler. There are there are a few scenes towards the end where he they did something to his eyebrows and he looks very similar to Jack Nicholson in, yeah. in a way that I was like, "Ewan McGregor looks like no what?
2: Why? <laughs> there wow. were there were a couple moments, yeah." <laughs>
0: It was the hair, the eyebrows. They got that kind of V, you know, in his mm-hmm. eyebrows that, that Jack Nicholson has in the yeah. original Shining. Mouth, that was
2: definitely intentional.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and his, some of his movements too, the way he walked at certain points, I was like, damn, this is, you know, and that the uh, little girl, Um, I wrote down her name. I said it in the opening. Uh, Kylie. Kylie. Yeah. She, I thought, was really good, yeah. you know. Shoot the dwarves. Yeah. So there's uh, with, a, uh, with a Mike Flanagan production, here's what I know <laughs> I'm going to get. I know I'm going to get gorgeous looking shots. I know I'm going to get too much dialogue. I know I'm <laughs> going to get too much exposition. I know I'm going to get people spelling out their feelings to each other. And Those if we got that. Sitting on a bed and listen it's not that I feel this way. It's that sometimes (laughs) you just got to face the world and do a thing and spell out the movie's theme. And that is exactly what happens in this movie. And I didn't feel like it had older sensibilities. I thought it had very modern sensibilities, Mm -hmm. but very Mike Flanagan style sensibilities where it's, I think, is it it feels a little bit more maybe gothic than horror, you know what i mean?
2: No, yeah, i think yeah, that's interesting. i hadn't thought about it that way, but that uh, i yeah, that makes sense.
0: But yeah, a lot a lot, of, a lot more melodrama than i than i like, but i think, you know, i've said enough. Um, you know, i just want to emphasize i don't think it's all bad. i i do see why people enjoy this movie. It has some things going for it, but it really just isn't my cup of tea. So having said that, let's let's move beyond the spoiler wall and really get into talking about the specifics. So if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the movie yet and you still want to, please, you know, go watch it and then come back to us and join us beyond the spoiler wall. So let's actually talk more details now
3: mm-hmm.
0: right off the bat and this is where i say i i wasn't going into this movie being against the movie there was a lot that i saw immediately where i was like oh i didn't even realize rebecca ferguson's in this and i love rebecca <laughs> ferguson and i'm like oh yeah ewan mcgregor is playing danny that's awesome and some of the musical cues i was like cool i like how they you know open with that shining you know as they're driving up to the mountain theme
2: the the Deus ira
0: yeah, what you said.
2: Yeah, <laughs> here's where I get to show off my music history knowledge. Yeah, that that theme that they use in the in the Shining is used all over the place in all types of music. It's yeah. uh, the DS era Day of Wrath um that, that boom 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 something like that yeah um i, I could just listen to you do that i was gonna say that
1: too like that was very calming actually <laughs> so what? so
2: this is the thing is like it's been used in so many places in so many different ways where it's kind of like a, it's almost like the Wilhelm scream of music at this point right? specifically right. Uh, like oh. dramatic horrors or like uh darker music because like uh, another more like what? where are my words tonight uh, another <laughs> famous a piece of uh, like horror that uses the DS series in so many different ways is actually Sweeney Todd it takes that like mm. four to eight note section of the melody and like flips it on its side makes it backwards harmonizes it in weirds in weird ways but it's this thing that sort of suggests death and so that's why you right. find it a lot in horror specifically right it's sort of a subliminal way to tell the audience hey things are gonna get bad <laughs> this
0: bad This not good yeah
1: well i was gonna say in, in a similar vein i i right away appreciated the like um Sorry, Ben distracted me for a second. <laughs> I appreciated, like, the call-outs to The Shining. Like, even the paint on the walls was, like, the same color yeah. that was in the bathroom. Like, it was very subtle in t- sometimes. Mm-hmm. Other times it was kind of in your face. But I, I really appreciated that, that they were kind of making that connection. So, if you're a fan of The Shining, it the was, movie, yeah. Yeah, it There's
2: was a lot of Easter eggs. Again. It was very reverent of The Shining. Yeah. Which is but, even more interesting because it isn't, uh, again, like, it's not the same sort of story as The Shining. Right.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing, though. And so I appreciate that this movie is trying to do its own thing. It's it's not trying to be The Shining Part 2. No. You know what I mean? It's trying to be Dr. Sleep. It's a different story. It's a continuation of the characters. But it's just kind of like, you know what? Kubrick did his thing. We can't match it. <laughs> He's Kubrick. <laughs> Let's just do our own yeah. thing. But... I don't know. I I think that to me, the movie tonally is all over the place. It's too, like, so when we first meet Rose the Hat and she's sitting on that stump and she's singing and she's got a rose and she's like, "Oh, child, like, come oh, over yeah. here." And blah, blah. I'm mm-hmm. sorry,
2: I can't do an Irish accent tonight. But I don't know. But, like, <laughs> I, really quick, like I wasn't sure what accent she was trying to do. That entire movie, it felt ben so said inconsistent. The same thing. It
0: was so weird. I. To to maybe give a little bit more credit, I I thought maybe it was that she was recently in the U.S. when we first meet her. And then mm-hmm. later in the movie, maybe it's that she's been there now for like 20 years. Well,
2: yeah. And you get the impression that she has lived for a very long time. So it might yeah. just be a sort of thing where like her accent comes from a lot of different places yeah. at this point. Um, And I
0: yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking. But but even just kind of seeing her on the stump with the flower and stuff, I was like, this is so, this is so hyper real. It's not. This is not a movie that's going to try to be real. This is not a down to earth horror story about real life horror. This is whimsical Stephen King embracing. You know, I mean, he did the Dark Tower series, which is a pretty straight fantasy Mm -hmm. story, and. I think you see that here and it might just be that I don't really like fantasy and I don't really like the, I don't really like that hyper real aspect of
2: theatrical stories. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's, I have like 5 billion different thoughts at the moment <laughs> because it, like on the one hand I want to say it almost like speaking to the tonal shifts throughout the movie, like it starts off almost like a folk story. Uh, Right. Just in aesthetic, because you were talking about how, like, she's sitting there on the side of the water, and there's the whole thing about magic and the flowers and stuff. Right. Um, But, yeah, like, there there are definitely moments in this movie that hue more towards realism, like the AA meetings and that sort of stuff. And -hmm. then there are others that go dive down into that sci-fi fantasy Stephen King stuff, like her flying through the stars to find uh, Abra and... Like so much of the uh, of those more supernatural elements were handled in a way that felt more fantastical than like horror.
0: Yeah. And I think those those shots and those scenes are gorgeous in their way. But I don't know. And and it was also something with the aesthetic of the film, the language of the movie, of the shots themselves. They felt to me very disconnected from what's happening on screen a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, does that make sense? No, yeah, because yeah, it's he films with that that sort of more naturalistic. I feel like he films with a more naturalistic vibe that, like, the color saturation isn't over the top. It's it feels very grounded, and so then to have all this stuff going on that's not very grounded or is more operatic just feels it, it, that it is a weird tonal dissonance.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess. I might even be coming at it saying that I think that he I think that he does have an operatic style of of shooting. And I think that it's almost too much for me because I Mm. I think so when I'm saying the mismatches there to me to really get into a horror story where there's fantastical elements personally, if I'm supposed to be scared or connecting with suspense on screen i want that to be i want the real stuff to be very grounded yeah does that make sense and i don't i don't feel like any of this movie feels real it's it's in that hyper real operatic is a great word for it Mm -hmm. because it's like everything is so theatrical even when he's when he's at the hospice and you know he's just kind of sitting there in the hallways and stuff it doesn't it's so stylized. It doesn't look like a real hallway. It doesn't look like a real hospice. Nothing <laughs> looks like real people. That I, and no one talks like real people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's it it to me the whole movie is a elevated style and it never comes down. And I'm like, you've got this guy who's who's in AA, but when I'm watching him, I'm like, this isn't an a- AA meeting. This this is an AA meeting in a movie. Mm-hmm. Is I I don't know I'm go I feel like I'm going far off into left field um but but I'm trying to explain I think my complete lack of emotional connection with this movie.
1: <laughs> no, what you're saying totally makes sense. Um, because we even talked about how when they got to the the hotel, the Shining Hotel, what's it called? The again? Overlook. The Overlook. The Overlook yeah. Thank you. That like his style kind of changed like immediately yeah. start yeah. copying cube. cube, cube. Huber- Kubrick thank you for, <laughs> um but I want to yeah I want to digress a second because mm-hmm. I want to say I didn't know anything about Dr. Sleep before coming into it like you know I most of the time I like at least know a little something about like because you know it's Stephen King book so I know like a little something and I was really disappointed where the name Dr. Sleep came <laughs> from I, I was like this is kind of cheesy I get it but yeah
2: yeah, because, yeah, like, I remember when the book came out, because it was fairly recent, I actually got it from my dad for his birthday one year, and it, I don't think he ever ended up reading it, but it, it was the sort of thing where it's like, oh, it's a sequel to The Shining, but it didn't really make the sort of ripples you would expect from, like, right. oh, the sequel to The Shining. And I think that... it again it's it's a it's a weird legacy to have to live up to especially when uh, like i'm so torn because (laughs) i so so here here's one thing like i said i've seen the the shining and uh, the interesting thing i find about the shining is that a lot of people count that as like one of the scariest movies of all time and it did not scare me when I saw it. Maybe it's just because Same. of the time, yeah. uh, like the age I was when I saw it, or because I'm seeing it with a, like modern eyes rather than the the sort of perspective of when it came out. But it it there are things I really like about the movie. Um, there's also things about the behind the scenes stuff that I really am uncomfortable with. Um, yeah. But uh, it it was never like I saw the movie. I was like, OK, that was cool. And it it was it's never been one of those like you see its influence in so many different things, which actually yeah. brings me to one of the other things I wanna talk about talking about the whole like heightened nature, the operatic nature uh this again, I don't know your feelings about this thing, so this may just be my my this is definitely I hate uh. It personal <laughs> per, this may just be a personal taste thing but like a place where they have that operatic heightened style where i really enjoy it is the hannibal tv series yeah. and there were several moments in this movie where i like especially towards the end where i felt like it was there was it was kind of trying to do a similar thing to the hannibal tv series the thing that's interesting about the hannibal tv series though is that it is telling a completely uh quote-unquote realistic story in the sense that like there's no supernatural powers unless you count Hannibal's like murder powers his ability to like get between states in a weekend or whatever (laughs) Uh, yeah but uh it's it's ostensibly taking place in the real world so you're not going to see any like flying through the stars or telepathic powers or any of that sort of stuff but like from the outset Brian Fuller the showrunner was like we're 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 going to be telling it like an opera and so the characters the it, it's shot in a way that emphasizes that these gorgeous shots that like like zoom in on specific details these really like very purple prose kind of lines mm-hmm. that kind of work with the aesthetic that they're going for
0: yeah but even i think that, man it's really hard i wish i wish i was a cine- cinematographer at times like this because I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the lighting. I don't know. I think maybe it has something to do with the camera angles and mm. stuff where it just. I don't know. There's something with the movement of the camera, even, and the way that the, a, a character fills up a frame where, if I'm thinking about the Hannibal series, I feel like people have a certain weight when they're on camera does that make sense
2: yeah Yeah. like all the cinematography on that show is very purposeful very very like every shot is for a reason And
0: sharp like the angle the angles are sharp the colors are sharp everything feels i don't know um yeah i don't know how else to describe it other than to say you know sharp and kind of vivid so that even though that world is very heightened and and really not particularly realistic. It feel the the action on screen when someone dies, oh, it feels real in the sense that it is consistent with that world.
2: And that exactly. world is a scary place. It's, a, it's a and a I consi- don't want to be there. <laughs> it's a consistency of style. Yeah, and you get moments like that in uh, dr sleep but it's not consistent throughout yeah and like I, you I, were saying I, it, it it feels like there's several different movies going on at once yes, and like th- within it. a scene it makes sense for that scene but then when you put it together right, the rest of the movie it's like wait weren't we in this sort of movie uh-huh now we're doing like like again talking about the what the thing that gave me the 80s vibe was everything with uh, rose and that group of like traveling uh like people eaters or whatever yeah that there were parts of that that actually reminded me a lot of uh near dark yeah i knew you were gonna
0: say that i knew you were gonna say near dark because
2: i just had that thought yep
0: I wish that it was more like that though because mm-hmm. th- th- this movie's cramming so much stuff in it and that's why it's two and a half hours long. Yeah. But there's so much that one of the first things I said to Carrie after it finished was I was like if I was let's say <laughs> dreamworld let's say I was a script editor on this or something right? The first thing I would do is like, I don't care what Stephen King's novel does. There are too many characters (laughs) cut out seven out of the 10 traveling gypsy people and just have three or four, you know, and they are the ones you see. Let's spend some time with them. We'll get to know them because as it is currently, there's so many of them that they all blur together as kind of the gypsies. And then like, you know, there's the, the 15 year old who joins them. There's what's his name? Crow. There's the hat, there's grandpa. And then there's, I don't even know how many other, other people there. And we really don't have enough time in the span of two and a half hours to connect or care other than the fact that, This is our group of vampires and like, so Mm -hmm. why, you know, (laughs) why, why do we care that there's a 15 year old girl who was converted into this group?
2: Yeah. Like again, in the moment when they were doing those scenes, introducing her at the beginning, I was like, okay, cool. Interesting. Uh And then we're going
0: to get a whole plot here. Yeah.
2: And then it's just, nope. She's just a background character basically for the rest of the movie. It's sort of, sort of what you were talking about that it is one of the issues with a Stephen King adaptation because he does... It, like, the like that whole group of, like, assorted supernatural people. That's such a Stephen King thing. Uh-huh. Like, the, the certain story And they're story all very beats. stylized, too, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's fine. I, I don't know if I had too much more to say. The, the other thing I kept thinking about that always gives me an 80s vibe is, uh, like, it, there are certain points where it almost feels like an X-Men movie. <laughs> yes. Very, um,
0: very, like pseudo superhero kind yeah. of stuff going on here right and In, instead of instead of a story about tortured psychics who are dealing with this almost affliction of of ability we've got this character who her name is Abra yeah. I, I hate that so much I'm sorry well, I, it's, it's so
2: cutesy I just want to throw up and it would be so easy for any character to just call her Abby
0: Yes.
2: And I think oh it happens God. maybe once Nailed when like it. she freaks out when she's sleeping cuz she sees the kid dying and her mom comes in and they're trying to calm her down. I think she might have called her Abby once, but like Right. I'm like again, it's such a Stephen King. It's 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 mm-hmm. like the dude who spells everything moon all over again where I'm like <laughs> okay, sure okay stephen king
0: (laughs) yeah right it's the most it's the most on the nose on the noseness that you can get where it's like ooh, this character talks about magic all the time we've got a magic hat someone does a magic trick with pulling a rabbit out and all this stuff we've even got a magician at her birthday he's like talking about bending spoons Mm, she's into it let's let's name her abra Mm. no don't don't do that
2: I wonder what? if he's Why just not? sitting there, like, "Well, I'm Stephen King, so of course I yeah. can." Yep, yep. <laughs> and you can't really like fault him for that because he is, and he's yeah. he's earned that. I oh, suppose I can, I can fault him. <laughs> we can him definitely for it. fault and him,
0: and I will. <laughs> and I will. Yes. Yeah. Well, it goes. That stuff goes back to the whole thing. It's almost a cliche at this point for people to say Stephen King needs an editor, mm. but it's it is i mean in a lot of ways it just feels like he's let his imagination off the leash and it doesn't always work i mean there's just those things where to me it's like ooh, you named your character abra and she says abracadabra earlier and this movie has a magic theme it's a little too much it it to me it takes me way out of the story when i see the author's hand so much or the writer's hand you know Mm -hmm. if it's just the screenwriter let's forget that it's even an adaptation if if we were talking about this as a standalone movie, I'd be saying the same things, you know, mm. Carrie, you're very quiet over there. I'm um, just
1: ready to move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what,
0: what 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 is one of the things that uh, you had on your agenda?
1: Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about how that scene with Andy in the theater, like not necessary. Like at first I was like, maybe they do need it. And I was like, no, the audience is smart enough to figure like they don't need it um because
0: the 15 year old's a, the pusher or yeah. whatever she makes people sleep
1: like see again this is why i thought it was gonna be something else like why he was called dr sleep i was like yep this could go really cool <laughs> yes but no it doesn't but again why is she even in this movie i don't know i i, I genuinely it's, don't
0: know the movie is really about danny abra and rose the hat yeah and that's the core. I mean, you have these these three and and it's also, I again, I think it's trying to do too much, but for Danny, the core of his character is trying to get over this abuse that he experienced and this n- literal nightmare that he lived in that hotel. And so he's trying to get over it, but he has to go back to it to get over it. That right there is such a grounded, character driven story, but it's. Obscured by all this other window yeah. dressing stuff. Agreed. That's like, we got to add this gypsy in there who's got all this stuff going on, and they're drinking steam, and they're agreed. <laughs> I and I'm like, what <laughs> is happening? So, snake bite.
2: Even <laughs> yeah. there, like I was thinking, you could tell, like it's the sort of thing where, like with a novel, you can throw anything in there, and like obviously. He could use an editor but like there, you can get away with
3: <laughs> you, you can get
2: get away in a novel with like being a little bit more loose with like oh, okay we're gonna bring in this theme and that theme if right if you want it's not necessarily going to be the most appealing thing but you have more room to do that in a novel yeah like you were saying before with a movie i think it's it, it, in a lot of cases is is much better if you like pick one thing and tell that story like yeah. what like a couple times in the movie i was thinking oh you you could draw a really interesting connection between rose and her group and danny if you really explored the theme of, of addiction in a more intre- right. in like a more in-depth way but they never really mm-hmm. like they kind of maybe flirt with that a little bit mm-hmm. but they never dig into it because the movie isn't concerned about like more it, on the one hand i I think other movies might be too heavy-handed with trying to have a message or a moral or something. Mm-hmm. But when you've got the material there, why not use it? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say you forgot another really important character. The little kitty cat.
2: Oh, Cute little
1: kitty cat.
2: Each best part of this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to watch that cat. I was <laughs> like, he's so cute.
2: Yeah. The cat who can tell if you're about to die.
1: He's so cute
0: looking.
1: I feel like
2: that's based on a real cat. That's a
1: real thing. Uh. Like, they know, like, okay, so that's a real thing. It's pretty common that um, in hospice or, you know, those type of places that uh, animals know when someone's about to die and they go and comfort them. It's like a pretty common thing.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually read, I forgot, actually, I read on IMDb, I think, that that cat is based on a real cat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them though. It's not yeah. just one, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I I also just want to touch on the hmm, it's not a it was something I had to get over, but the uncanny valley of the recasting of oh, yeah. young Danny and his mom and also uh uh shit, Jack Torrance yeah. you know, later <laughs> in the movie. So It's so tough. It was it was just I wrote down in my notes, I was like, I know this is on me, but I'm very weirded out right now. Because everyone looks, it's like when you have a CGI character that's almost real, Mm -hmm. but there's something off, Mm -hmm. and it's, they they look so close, Mm -hmm. and they sound so close, that it's almost worse than if they just completely threw out those character designs Mm -hmm. and just started from scratch. Because I'm like, you're not her, but you really look like her, Mm -hmm. but...
2: Well, it's 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 interesting because we we had a similar discussion on uh, the podcast that I used to do, A Matter of Taste, um, when we were talking about the uh, the movie adaptation of the novel Hannibal. Again, mm-hmm. bring up Hannibal stuff because that's what I'm here for. Um, <laughs> what do you
3: do on podcasts? That's I suppose. that's
2: your whole thing. But uh, but with the the. The Hannibal movie, which was a sequel, direct sequel to Silence of the Lambs. Anthony Hopkins came back, but Jodie Foster did not come back. Right. And uh, I believe Anthony Hopkins actually suggested Julianne Moore to uh, take on the role of Clarice Starling. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking because Julianne Moore is a great actress and she does a great job in the part. But there's that cognitive dissonance of, well, but that's not Clarice because your, your brain is just like. And that's a, and that's a case where it's like, they didn't even try to make her look like Jodie Foster, which is probably better off, right. but, uh, it, it is this sort of weird thing of like, if you're going to have that stuff, how, how do you best do it? Like you, like, and they, they, there are enough scenes that are new to the story that you can't just use like archival footage or something like that, um, I, I honestly yeah. wondered if they were going to bring Jack Nicholson back for that. Same, I yeah, same. I, um, I will say though, I'm kind of glad that they didn't do
0: any weird digital yeah. recreations. Mm-hmm. You know, where yeah. they where they do the Star Wars thing and put a dead person's mm-hmm. face. Yeah, so, like, like is General Tarkin still alive? By the way, she's still alive. Uh, Shelley Duvall. Think yeah, so? She's alive, right? I think so. I know so. Jack Nicholson is alive, but he's he's not acting. He's I think everyone's retired. But anyway, uh, Yes, yeah. she is. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly... So, the little boy and the mom, that didn't bother me too much, because I could roll with that, because they never really shot her, like, face on that much. It was more, like, from an angle. From the
0: side, it looked yeah. exactly like her. So it was I, crazy.
1: So, I was okay with that. Like, I was willing to go there. It was the Jack Nicholson ghost that I was like, could they just show his hands and his voice? Because... I don't Mm -hmm. think we needed to see him. I think everyone knows who Jack Nicholson is, and you're not going to find another person that looks like Jack Nicholson. Like, let's be real. (laughs) So I think, like, for me, it just would have worked better, and it would have been more suspenseful if, like, they just showed, like, the hands and the voice, and then maybe, like, a profile or something, like, really quick. But, like, we didn't need it. Like, we know it's his dad. We got it.
0: Mm -hmm. Can I... I was going to save this towards the end of the podcast because am trying to keep it somewhat chronological. But since we're there, can I go off on the missed opportunity of Jack Torrance in this story? Just my own personal two cents. Are you are you okay with uh, me doing that?
1: I don't know where you're going to go with this. So. I was waiting for him to say no.
2: He's just I, No. No. You, no. If you're not allowed. I'm the Can't guest of this it. podcast. And I what I say, go, no, go for it. All right. So. <laughs>
0: The whole Danny's entire plot is building up to his return to this place. And he is metaphorically haunted by his father because he's now becoming his father. He's becoming, you know, an addict. And now he's trying to get over that. Right. Mm -hmm. When he's going to the hotel, what I'm thinking is that his dad, as we saw in the end of The Shining, he's been absorbed into the hotel. Right. He's Mm -hmm. he's one of the ghosts there now to me. Jack Torrance should be Danny's final boss, like whether he's actually the real bad or not. I mean, thematically he should be. And to me, that whole scene with Dan at the bar just didn't, it was so quiet. It was so, Mm. and dad, you know, Jack Torrance isn't even acknowledging that he's his father and yet he's this abusive monster of a person or at least the hotel which knows danny should know that this is danny's worst fear standing right in front of him becoming his dad or his dad's abuse so to me what i uh if i uh, i hate to try to rewrite things that have been made and by you know masters of of horror and whatnot but i would have loved if Dan gets to that hotel and he goes inside and he sees just like the silhouette of Jack Torrance, just like at the end of a hallway and just like walks away and like seeing him in the distance, even if he never approaches, this is the, that's the horror of the hotel at this point. That's more
1: what I assumed was going to happen. It could
0: be so freaky to see that in, you know, it's this, this monster is there and he might not even ever come out. Maybe if I could do it, I'd probably have him step out of the shadows when Dan is, is starting to burn alive in there instead of his mom coming out. I would have um, had dad come out and be like, welcome, you know, and oh, and Dan wow. just having a up. confrontation.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it should be. It fucking should be, though.
2: right? Well, and again, like, it's it's the horror movie. Yeah, yeah, this yeah move,
0: totally. Which, this, <laughs> again, this
2: movie isn't really concerned with.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
1: It's very like kitschy, coochie, cootie, cute, whatever.
0: (laughs) It is so cutesy
2: at points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: But that—that's my rant about that. I mean that. that... Shine on.
2: Oh (laughs) Oh, God. I would shine shine on on, you, crazy diamond.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. That. Those kinds of lines. This is the type of movie where someone says straight faced, "Shine on, Abra.
2: Shine on." It, it takes like a that. good
1: actor to do that. <laughs> it, it sort of
2: <laughs> oh. it speaks to another thing that I was thinking about, where like with the that sort of with Stephen King's style of writing, there are things that I really like about his imagination, and there are other things that I really don't like about his storytelling, or yeah. that just and they aren't yes. even necessarily like value judgments. They're just sort of things that that don't really do much for me, like a lot of his stories tend to exist in this world where it's like, like, of course, the best friend is going to die. Of course. Yep. Like, yep. and that sort of stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, I have a whole other I thing. I mean, sure, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I've been waiting but, uh, to talk about the friend. Like, we were talking about stuff that was kind of cutesy, but like the one moment that actually like kind of worked for me in terms of like the stories that I really like was when uh uh Abra, like when Danny is like, hunting her down because he's possessed by all the spirits of the overlook or whatever. And she, uh, she's like, I'm not, she's basically like, I'm not afraid. Cause I know that Dan is Danny is still in there. And, uh, the moment where she's just like, there you are. I was like, Oh, right. like that, that I, I, I actually felt that moment. And then it was sort of like, well, we had that moment, but he's still going to die. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, no, and And I 100 I, percent. I mean, so my 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 yeah, my skeptical. Yeah, there isn't uh, isn't anti that because that's the thing with again, it, it's kind of sorry to go back to the whole Mike Flanagan thing. But that's kind of the way his stories have been recently mm. um, in the last several years where he's really going for that kind of melodramatic kind of level of 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 plucking at your heartstrings. You know, I feel like he's he's becoming more and more uh you know i want to be uh steven spielberg can and I,
1: can i tell you how mad i still am that haunting of Blythe Manor made me cry i was like well, what the hell <laughs> See, is going that's on what he
0: does i mean so so <laughs> much is of it to be
1: scary what am i doing
0: yeah so, so <laughs> much of it can be so heavy handed that you roll your eyes, but then something will happen and you're like, oh,
1: no, I remember (laughs) yelling. I was like, why am I crying?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Manipulation. Stop Hmm. manipulating me, Mike Flanagan. But but and, and so there are those moments and those are those moments where if you just strip out the other moments that are trying so hard to do that, then you'd have something that emotionally the core of it is very powerful but yeah. there's so much that doesn't work that those ones that do to me they lose their power because I'm like that was that was great and and for me the moment that got me was the old man who was dying the first oh, the first yeah. old man I was like his look th- that actor I don't know who that guy is yeah. but holy shit that actor can act and I was just like I was so in that moment with him and, and Danny and he's like, I'm dying. And Danny's like, mm, yes, you know, and his, oh, it was, that's what really got me. And so there are those moments throughout this, this movie that do work.
2: Yeah. But so I, I'm, I have a theory now. I think someone needs to remind uh, Mike Flanagan that sometimes you have to kill your darlings. Yes. Because it's, again, it's that whole, uh that, clarity of vision and like having like having that clarity of focus like okay like any of these moments work on their own but you got to pick what story you're telling it Mm -hmm. so that yes Mm -hmm. the one the moments that you end up with have that much more impact like that moment with abra and and danny where she where she says that there you are like I felt that, but how much more powerful would that be if the story up until that point was more about identity and this whole thing of like, is he strong enough to, to, to fight off this stuff? Like there, there, again, it's these, these weird things of like, everyone needs an editor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And that, that to me, it was like this, uh, I guess it wouldn't be a trifecta because there's only two, but, but Mike Flanagan joining powers with Stephen King and they're both in peak indulgence mode where no one, no one is going to step in and kill Mike Flanagan's darlings and Mike Flanagan's not going to step in and kill Stephen King's darlings. So you just like a giant circle jerk. Like, (laughs) come on. Yeah. And because, so, and there's the, that's the thing with Michael Flanagan, Mike Flanagan right now is that, I mean fucking haunting of hill house killed on netflix and oh what did he do he did a couple other things on netflix that i didn't i didn't actually see he did another stephen king adaptation he did gerald's game Hmm. um i think he also maybe did that rat one maybe that wasn't him i don't know but anyway there's been a string of stephen king adaptations and mike flanagan has just been you know very successful with his movies and his series on netflix and so i just i think that you know people are basically just handing him money and saying do the thing and for the most part it it has been paying off Mm -hmm. so i don't think anyone was ever going to step in here and be like dude there's too much going on you've got two and a half hours and all these characters and all these different themes that you're trying to work with and they're just You know, cut out your D plot so you can focus on your (laughs) your A, B and C plot, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I agree with all this and I I totally 100 percent. But you remind me of two things I want to say. So the first is a little shorter. So I'm going to start with that one. When I watch movies like this, maybe it's because I grew up poor. But every time I watch movies like this, I'm like, "Where the fuck are these people's money coming from? Like, yeah. how, where, yeah? How do they have all this nice stuff? How mm. are they traveling across the country? How did the gypsies have like an amazing grill that they were grilling on that was like chrome and shiny <laughs> and a brand new jeep? Like, focus on the grill. It was shiny. And I didn't even gold. This. I was like, what is that? Right. And then they have like new jeeps and new RVs. I'm like, what? Where? Where? Okay. So that takes me out of movies because I'm like, this is not, it doesn't make sense to me. And Danny did yeah. have a shitty old car, but he was still able to like drive across the country like at a moment's notice. Okay. Anyway. So the other thing is Billy, the best friend.
0: Yeah. So, I So Billy, I yeah. really
1: liked Billy, but I also was kind of like, why do I like him? We don't really see him that much. Right. Like mm-hmm. we see him a little bit. And I feel like we're going on a lot of like our gut, like what we're supposed to feel about Billy. But mm-hmm. I was like, instead of stupid Snake Eye Andy, why didn't we have another Billy moment?
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I gotta admit, like when uh, Snake what, Snake Bite Andy, what, and yeah, whatever. I didn't even know. I didn't remember her name.
1: Yeah, bite, whatever. Yeah.
2: Which moment was it? I think it's that moment where uh, uh, Danny goes down to Billy's room and he's like, "You, you, you said you." Uh, you've seen my type before what did you mean by that um, and it's like the the sort of moment that gets them going to the AA meeting or whatever yeah um, that was the first moment where I was like I ship it it's not going to happen <laughs> but I ship it <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just want to see like uh, it doesn't have to be in every movie obviously but like <laughs> oh man
0: <laughs> yeah well, and so Billy, he's kind of a one note character, but yeah. I think the actor's so good that he embodies it, and he's just so nice, yeah. like because <laughs> he is. It's like he he's the guy who helps he helps Dan get out of his his cycle of abuse and, yeah. and addiction, right? So, uh, I guess not cycle of abuse, cycle of addiction. Um, and and we, we immediately connect with him as a good guy for that, and then so later when he comes back. One, it's super obvious that he's going to die yeah. because he's the nice guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he's the only <laughs> he's the only good guy who's extra at this point. The other two <laughs> are core and you can't kill them off. So we're left with one guy who's going to die um, to help raise the stakes. That's what happens. Well, um, Mike mm-hmm.
1: Flanagan missed another moment to make me cry. He didn't give me more Billy, so I yeah. couldn't cry. Yeah.
0: He went for a shock with that one. Billy, nah. Billy shoots himself in the head. Yeah. That- Lame. Mm. He's, he's, yeah. I I mean... You know, I, I will say there are a couple moments in this where uh, the horror or or the violence that's happening, you know, is pretty disturbing. And mm-hmm. so the other obvious moment than that, other than Billy shooting himself, which really sucked because I really liked him, but you, it's so telegraphed. You see it coming a mile away. So it to me, mm-hmm. it lost power for that. Yeah. But oh, my God, when when the soul vampires are killing that kid, the baseball boy holy shit yeah that is a real fucked up scene i thought it was it was real well done and that kid he really he sold it he sold the shit out of that i disagree what
1: the most fucked
0: up get out of this apartment right now the
1: most fucked up scene was when danny was hanging out with that lady and she was coked out and oh. there's puke next to her and he oh. handed her the baby with the yeah. dirty diaper and it was so much like train spotting and then he just took her money and left i
0: was okay was what happened with the corpse lady pretty, that he said was I'm that her i'm pretty sure that was her and her kid
2: that was Did yeah they that die? I, I wasn't yeah. like i wasn't sure at first i was pretty sure and then like she says I,
1: they haven't found us yet they, or they haven't no. found
2: us yet what? and then she says another line where there was too much vocal distortion on it for me to understand yep. what was what she was saying and then it says again they haven't found us yet and then it pans down and you see her her son's head start to turn towards and it's yeah that was that another thing where it's like that felt so important in the moment and then it's like i didn't even like I had completely forgotten back. about all that stuff until yeah. you yeah. brought it up just now because so much movie had happened since then.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 What? I, like, why is that in there? What is it? it if, if Danny, uh, hmm. she's not dead in that scene, right? I mean, she she's puked. passed but out. I'm she's assuming passed out. she ODs because she wasn't waking up like, count- but, yeah. I mean, man, is Danny really that shitty at the beginning? And, and then That's Dick, Ho- saying, Dick like, Holleran shows up, yeah. and he's like, hey, at least don't take her money. So the implication is that she's not dead. She's not going to die. No, wouldn't you wouldn't don't know the that. ghost of Dick Holleran yeah. be like, dude, she's fucking dying. Call 911, <laughs> asshole. And then instead of like, don't take her money, yeah. Dan. Yeah. Doc, you know? I'm sorry. I got I got a little intense there, but I'm like... What? I'm so confused. It's, what is yeah. happening?
1: I think it's another moment where like it's either they needed to be expanded or needed to not be in there because yeah. like it's too much going on.
0: Yeah. Save it for the director's cut or whatever you got to do. But all it, it just had to just cut the part where she comes back and yeah. all that stuff is cleared up, you know? Yeah. Then it's still just Danny was kind of shitty back then, but it's not like he fucking killed anybody. <laughs> yeah.
2: Left someone to die.
0: Yeah. That's, I guess that's some Walter White shit.
2: I guess the ghost of Dick Holleran just had God vision and was like, ah, oh, she's not going to be important to the plot later. So yeah, that's
0: what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. He's like, ah, uh, it's, this is going to suck, but you know what? Just don't take her money. Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. Um, yeah. there were a couple other things. Can I talk about another missed opportunity with, uh, right before Billy's death scene? This, this is a narrative thing that really pissed me off. And I was like, I was like, why? I don't understand what the creative choice was here or, or why the creative choice was done this way. So they are traveling to this confrontation with the gypsies, right? And they're they're they have i think i'm trying to remember they or they're working out a plan or whatever right however this all works out i can't remember the details but it's Dan Billy Abra and her father and they're working together and they're like okay we're going to go find these people and we're going to have our shootout and whatever we're going to have a confrontation right and Dan says specifically to Abra we're going to use a trick like we're going to trick them mm. why why does he say that because what? They they end up going to the these woods, and it is so obvious when who's the who's the fifteen year old Carrie Snakebite Andy Snakebite Andy when when Snakebite Andy is approaching Abra on the picnic table that it's not really Abra because Dan Torrance told us the audience that they're using a trick that this isn't real that this is this mm-hmm. is a setup. Why the fuck would you tell your audience? The scene that we're about to show you, the stakes are super low because they're not really there. This is a trick. Like, why would you? So when you're yeah. doing that, I was like, I was like, OK, they're in the woods. They're going to come out as a trap. What what, so, what what? went into that creative choice for someone in the, who's writing this and the, for the director and everybody to be like, yeah, let's just tell the audience that there's nothing to worry about in this scene. It just removes all the tension. So
1: for me, I actually I didn't mind this scene. Because it's playing up the real life, like hocus pocus magic, like Houdini, like we're going to play a trick, like slide of hand magic, right? Yeah. I'm not done. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I was like waiting and I was like, okay, so where's the trick? Cause like, I think that's the point is like, as the audience, you're like, okay, where's the trick? Like you kind of suspect certain things, but you're like, I know there's going to be a trick. Like, where is it? So it gives you a little bit of hope. And then in classic horror movie style, they take that hope away like immediately.
2: I also like the the only other storytelling. Re- <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, but I disagree. The, the only other storytelling the reason way. I can think of for it is is like they need to give a reason for the dad to be on board and so they want to mm-hmm. like let you know that they have a plan but not exactly what it is i i don't know
0: yeah i mean but but so you can do that while leaving the tr- the specific trick like so it's not like Dan didn't say to the audience like we're gonna have you actually just switch places with a a bunny rabbit, mm-hmm. but like he might as well have 'cause he he basically says you know we're gonna have to use some trickery, and so when they're approaching you have, you have two points that are that are converging here you have mm-hmm. uh fifteen year old snake bite Andy and you have the girl on the on the um you you park, have Abra sitting, the sitting bench. there. Mm-hmm. There's no one else in the scene, so picnic it, table. That's the word. Yes, yes, yeah. And so to me, as this was happening, I was I was like, it's so obvious that one, she's uh she's a force ghost who's just <laughs> sitting there, or or whatever, right? It's yeah. she's not really there. It's been shown that she can go into people's heads. They could still do what Carrie is saying with the trick, but in retrospect, that's that's what you do in a heist movie. Like you you well, let me take that back. Um. What there's, there's sort of this trope when you have characters who are working out a plan, either it's a defensive plan or an offensive plan. They look at each other and they kind of go like, how are we going to do this? Well, I've got a plan. And then they cut and then they're actually just doing it. They don't yeah. say, well, we're going to have to use some trickery and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to set them up know. and we're going to trap them.
1: I don't know why this is bothering you that much.
0: Because it's <laughs> such a it's such a minor thing that speaks to the ways that this movie does not utilize its own potential. Does that make sense? It it's really... like one other way where it just undercuts its own potential to be like, this has to happen so it happens but the dramatic tension that should be there is totally undercut by everything that preceded it.
2: Yeah, that, that's something I would agree with you, is that with the way that the that Mike Flanagan does his storytelling in this movie, there's not a whole lot of tension at any point, really. Right. Um, Like no suspense.
0: And this should be a very suspenseful movie. It's kind of sold as that, right? Yeah. So, it's no, thriller, I,
1: I understand right? what you're saying now. Like, I get it now. and. Yeah, I do agree. If you if you want more suspense, um, I guess the reason why I wasn't really mad at it was because it had been a while since they brought up like abracadabra magic, like real world magic. So, yeah, I was like, OK, I'll, I'll roll with it. But I, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, it wasn't like the same kind of suspense.
0: Yeah. yeah. OK. It's just a weird again. It's a narrative choice that I just don't understand because it's so basic to drama. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Can I talk a little bit about music? Yeah. yeah. That's if the you're going to sing to us for. again, please.
1: Yeah. Can you please sing again? That's you do. Uh,
2: we'll see. Um, but uh, <laughs>
1: what if I behave really well?
2: <laughs> um, I, being a musician, being a composer and that sort of thing, I am very, I can be very critical of movie soundtracks. And honestly, like. It's interesting in the modern movies because I feel like horror is one of the few places where composers actually kind of get to do their own thing anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of like action movies, you recycle a lot of the same material. And uh, there's, at least as far as I've seen, there isn't a whole lot of really, there aren't as many really interesting movie soundtracks um, nowadays. Horror specifically is interesting because there are those like tried and true things that you get a lot of. And it, a lot of them, people keep using them even though they don't do anything to the audience anymore. Like you do that quick string stab as like a ghost pops out and it's like, it's the cheapest sort of thrill yeah. kind of thing. There's a specific thing that I, uh, take issue with in, in certain ho- horror movies, which speaking more generally about the soundtrack to, uh, uh, Dr. Sleep there were things I liked about it there were things like that there were those references to the the Shining soundtrack that I enjoyed and there I think in a lot of moments the soundtrack did capture the, the right mood that they were going for although again the movie isn't really trying to be a horror movie so there are those moments where the soundtrack is treating it like it's a horror movie but it doesn't really that what's happening on screen doesn't really feel like a horror movie yeah and so there's that dissonance there The specific thing that I have had issues with uh, lately is when you have a dramatic moment that evokes something uh, emotionally, like heart wrenching or sad, or something that to me feels like it should be more about human sadness than uh, horror or or like scare factor, and yet they score it with uh, like suspense horror strings and that sort of thing. (laughs) Specifically, the moment in this movie that that happened was when uh Danny and Billy dig up the body of the the baseball boy the kid that got killed by this group Yeah. and uh, like they stumble upon the corpse and you get those like string stabs like oh, like all those dissonant notes and everything while these two guys are like they are like moved to uh like puking and like physical revulsion at what they found And uh, and talking about how like how could they do that to this kid? And the thing, the reason I I take such particular issue with it in those particular moments is because the the characters are clearly feeling a human emotion of revulsion and sadness about what happened to this kid, but the soundtrack is telling you, "Oh, this is like a scary horror movie moment," and it's like. It's, it, it it's this weird, uh, this weird conflict of uh, of tones where I'm like, uh, I feel like maybe if you had gone with something more tragic sounding, I wouldn't have as much issue here. But that may just be a me thing. No, can that's really interesting. Yeah.
1: So can I ask how you feel about the early 2000 acts commercial heartbeats that kept going on? Oh my
2: gosh. <laughs> That I like my my feeling about those changed like every time they happened. There were certain moments where I was like, "Oh, I kind of like this this adding a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of uh, a little bit more to the scene than would there would be without it." And other points where I'm just like, "I don't know if this is absolutely necessary." Mm-hmm.
0: The when she's flying and it goes on for so long yeah. well, that's c- where i kept turning to carrie and i i kept turning to carrie and being like i want your bod
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so i think that's part of it is like when it initially started happening i think it was specifically with with danny and so i thought oh is this like an, an roq that we're supposed to get about like that's telling us something about danny specifically but then it started happening with, like, yeah. everyone. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that works for me as well. It's
0: arbitrary. Yeah, yeah. it's arbitrary. And and so much. I, I think that that's sort of what bothers me about, like, the Stephen King's throw it and see what sticks on the wall. And the Mike Flanagan indulgence stuff is like it doesn't. So so be creative. Yes, absolutely. Like, like. Reach into your bag of tricks and pull out something that's new and interesting, right? But like it needs to sync up with what's actually happening and what the story is doing, right? But mm-hmm. like, why, when in what way is a mental file cabinet connected to this story? In, yeah. in what way is that thematically relevant or visually relevant to anything that we know about these
2: characters, right? Yeah, I, I felt that exact same way. I'm like, okay, visually this is cool, but why would. Abra a teenage girl have like a f- set of file cabinets as her <laughs> yeah. mind palace like when yeah. they, they you get that quick moment of but I'm going to refer to it as mind palace because that's why they refer to it all the time in Hannibal and I think it's used as a terminology outside of Hannibal but that's where I learned yeah. it from but you get a glimpse of uh, Danny's mind palace for a moment when uh, I think Rose is trying to dig into it, or or no, it's when uh, Abra's trying to dig into it, and it looks like the Overlook Hotel. Right. And, initi- and for a moment, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I was like, wait a second. Why would... Danny want to make his <laughs> mind palace the over that doesn't seem right it at doesn't all. doesn't
0: make any sense,
2: right? Like- and and yeah,
0: and and when he goes back to those those chests that open and close on people mm-hmm. and every time we see them they're in the hedge maze. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. why would his mind have the hedge maze in it, right?
1: Probably because it was a very traumatic yeah, experience. Like, the, the but,
0: hedge maze
2: yeah. did like, not work for me, me
0: too better, better but, but, but yeah, I'm thinking is- about it now and I'm like would he th- i don't know that's not his safe space you know what I'm, i mean like, so, so here's the reasoning no i could
2: come up with for it is that it's where he escaped his father and where his oh, okay. father ended up being trapped yeah. and so okay. i can see it as as being like a a visual metaphor for a prison
0: yeah i could see that okay yeah yeah you're right i mean that's that's where his father even dies right yeah. so okay uh, yeah i'm on board all right i was gonna say um so when
1: i was in library school they would mention a lot how much stephen king loves librarians and how they're always in like stephen king books so for me like the the filing cabinet just reminded me of the old school like card catalog um so i was like this is stephen king's mind he loves libraries it's his happy place right but in all fairness that is where Abra was looking up things on the computer
0: oh yeah yeah,
1: I'm just trying to make libraries awesome, you guys.
0: <laughs> they are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, I mean, it's Stephen King's mind, not Abra's mind, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's why I wanted to emphasize.
0: This is so random, but I'm looking at my notes, and I wanted... Can I
1: Before you go on, can I just say my favorite part of your notes? Because I could see a little bit of it. On the next page, you just wrote
0: FART. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, that's not what I was going to say. But but what I wrote was... This was at the very end of the movie. It's the very end <laughs> of my notes. I wrote down the lines, Shine on, Abra Stone, shine on. And then I wrote under that, in all caps, fart and then under that directly we go on we go on Mm. fart because those lines come very close to each other and Abra says to her mom you know dad's not really gone what how old is she supposed to be? Like
2: maybe 12? I think she says 13 okay. at one point in the what
0: movie. What 13-year-old says to their mom, I don't care if you're a psychic or whatever, what 13-year-old says in the real world, we go on, we go on.
2: You know what I was thinking about in that moment? I was thinking, you know, he he may be a mess nowadays, but friggin it. Shyamalan did that scene much better at the end of The Sixth Sense.
0: Oh, yes. 100%. I love that movie, by yeah. the way.
1: You know, I'm just remembering such thinking, like, just even talking about this movie again. It's putting me back into, like, how I feel like I deserve an eight-year free sober chip after <laughs> watching this fucking movie and having to talk about it again. Because <laughs> I just really want to drink.
0: Like, oh, man. Yeah. So
1: where's my sober chip? Like I want it right now. <laughs> well,
0: so for the record, I, I'm being bad and I'm drinking a martini and Carrie is not drinking currently. Mm.
1: It's a shocker.
0: <laughs> yeah. So but I asked uh many times, is it okay if I drink? It's not a it's not a like it's not I an have addiction to work thing. Tomorrow. I, don't, I have to yeah. go to work tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. Um so I'm I'm being I'm being a a bad a bad
2: person. I'm not
0: being bad. I almost had a drink
2: while watching this movie and then I'm kind of glad I didn't because there's so much of the like uh AA and like denying alcohol that sort of thing in the movie that I, I feel like I would have looked at my my beer at one point and just been like I don't know, how I feel about this. <laughs>
1: Ben is now pouring. Oh, well, he got oh, it everywhere. I spilled my wine. Oh no. He um got it all I over tried his hoodie. I was trying to fill it
0: into a martini glass and that mm. wasn't smart. I was trying to I was trying to capture the sound of wine landing in this martini glass. Well, it sounded for you, great for you, there. Even if it didn't uh, land where it was meant to. Be. <laughs> Uh, oh man um i uh, hang on i had something else before we before we kind of end oh oh my god i have to mention this drove me crazy speaking of cheesy lines okay Mm. there's a serious conversation between these kind of soul vampire characters yeah where it's like a heartfelt they're upset and the line is the world's just not as steamy as it used to be not as steamy I was like, this is the corniest thing I've ever heard. And this is supposed to be like their lowest point. Like, we're at a crisis moment. Why are we at a crisis moment? The world's just not as steamy as it used to be. And I'm like, fuck you, Stephen King. Like,
2: Yeah, (laughs) that that was one of those moments where like, it's a genre fiction thing where like, in cert- and i love genre fiction but there are certain stories where they establish terminology that just feels hokey
0: it's so it's so corny
2: S- like oh. e- even even the shining itself like when they refer to it as like oh you've got to shine that, there are certain moments where i'm like i don't know if it really works for me
0: mm-hmm. uh, well when they say shine on i'll say no negative okay. don't like do not like yeah six Sense did it this way better yeah mm-hmm. right i'm also it's not as steamy that's literally they're like there's not enough steam and why do they call it
1: (sighs) okay okay
0: new new well hold on can i say one other thing about this no because it's related go i just don't find the the soul vampires sniffing at the air to be at all in any way scary or dramatic or anything it's just so dorky yeah
1: okay so i have a new mission yeah and they get all like turned on. Okay. So I have a new mismatch movie idea that I wish Dr. Sleep was. I wish it was a combination of The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. train spotting, mm-hmm. and Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I down. feel like yeah. at different points it's trying to be all of those things and just yeah, right? not quite succeeding. I yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's yeah, I, I think we're we're coming to our, our an end of this discussion because I think we've hit on at least we've hit on all the major points that I wanted to
1: oh, hit on. Have you, either of you read Doctor Sleep or know no. more about no, it? I started
0: I reading it. I, I know a little bit about it, but I, I started reading it and here's the thing, you guys could probably pick up on this from what I've said so far. Stephen King's really hit or miss for me. I, I really like a lot of his early work, not so much a lot of his newer work, but I am one of the very few people who didn't actually like the original Shining novel. Just mm-hmm. didn't really do anything for me. Um, and that, you know, that, that's kind of a typical camp. People either really love the the Kubrick movie or they love the novel and whatever. That's the yeah. whole thing. But like what stopped me from continuing with Dr. Sleep is... One, a book has to really hook me um, for me to really want to read it these days, just because there's there's so much good stuff out there that if I'm not into it, it's like, well, what's the point? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And I got to a point where Stephen King really, again, going back to Stephen King's sensibilities, his ideas of horror just aren't my ideas of horror and. One of those is the hedge uh the hedgerows mm-hmm. in the original shining novel. There's a whole thing if you've seen the mini series um that was kind of more recent for the shining it's in there where the 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 hedgerow animals start moving around and stuff, and it's supposed to be real scary and it again, hmm. it's just so cheesy and he references that in Doctor Sleep in like the first thirty pages where Danny's like, hmm. "Oh, I remember how terrifying that hotel was." how those hedgerow animals would start moving around. And I was like, done. I'm done. I can't read this. <laughs> like, I'm out. I'll, I might come back to it, you know, in a while. But I was like, I, it, it, it's definitely Stephen King embracing Stephen King. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just not in the mood for it. So that's how far I got it.
1: I was going to ask if we actually knew what the, like, gypsy vampires are. Are they like demons? Are they aliens? Are they like a type of vampire?
0: Oh, I think they just shine
2: yeah i i believe the, the
1: shiners that the, have gone bad
2: yeah. yeah the the way that i understood it is they are people who had the shining and uh, found a way to uh like th- there was that whole ritual they did with uh was a character's name andy or yeah. yes um where essentially as i understood it based on what they said uh through this ritual she actually physically died but she was sustained by the uh the the quote unquote steam that she got from the canister and so it was this sort of like transformation process where they are no longer like living human beings in the sense that danny or uh or abra are but they still have their abilities and they're able to sustain their life for longer periods of time by feeding on the the shine that comes or the steam that comes from other people that have abilities
1: yeah i was hanging on by a thread for this movie so i totally missed that okay like <laughs> well, it's, it's i it's not I was, explained i was proud of myself because usually i like throw myself on the floor and i like can't sit still and yeah i like throw a tantrum but uh i stayed still for this
0: movie but i yeah, did good
1: I, I i was proud of myself yeah but. You, did, you did good I still need that, like, yeah. eight years over chip now.
0: It's hard because, because, like, when you're really antsy with a movie, you'll start talking, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I have to be like, I have to be like, I'm not liking this any more than you are. But You I, talked I
1: more this do, time than me.
0: I did, yeah. Well... It was towards the end. No, where, it was like in the middle. Well, I had to pause it at certain <laughs> points because I was like, I was like, hold the fucking phone. Like, and I think I did that with the with the part where they go into the woods and all that with the trick. I was like, why the f- why did they set this up that way? It doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I, I was Ian, bad I'm this sad time. you weren't here with us to watch it this time. <laughs> I, got, oh, I got I got real too.
2: heated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was good this time. And Ben was. The antsy one.
2: Yeah. No, there were a few Uh, moments for me too. (laughs) There were a few moments for me too where, like, first of all, I'll say, like, I did enjoy this movie. I would like, I would not like, die on a hill for it or anything like that. Right. Um. But yeah, there were definitely even. I, I I think I tend to be very forgiving of movies if they're trying to do something, even if they don't do it well. Like, and at the very least, watching this movie, I didn't feel like I was just watching another schlocky horror movie that get sure. pumped out of American cinema but there were definitely moments where I was just like wait what why yeah. why would you what if why yeah what are you doing yeah well to your point
0: right i mean it at least it doesn't go for the cheap scare or the cheap thrill right yeah. i mean it is to give the movie some credit to give mike flanagan some credit there every it's it's trying something a little bit different. Uh, I think a, a really a, and also to Stephen King, I mean, a, a really kind of someone who's going to play it safe would have been like, OK, uh, we're going to go back to the hotel at the start. It's going to be a new family moves in or something. And <laughs> or even just like and have
2: it just, like the story show up. <laughs> it, it would be very easy for the sequel to The Shining to just be Danny goes back to the hotel as an adult and has to face his demons. Right.
0: And and so, okay, um here's one thing that I don't know, uh actually Ian, did you read the original novel, The Shining?
2: No, I have it, and I read a random passage in it one day that I actually kinda liked, but I have not read the, the novel. Yeah.
0: Okay, so some key things that uh, some people may or may not be aware of out there, and if you if you don't want the original novel to be spoiled, uh you know, tune out for the next thirty seconds or so. But in the original novel, the the original novel ends the way this movie ends. The hotel's actually blown up at the end of the oh, original novel. Yeah. So in the which by the way is spoiled in a friends episode, which is partially huh. why I knew that before I actually read the book. I don't remember that. Uh I think Joey spoils it for Rachel. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yep. So anyway, um so in the original novel for this clearly they don't actually go back to the overlook because the overlook isn't there in the novel. I I haven't gotten, you know, I didn't read that far ahead in the book, but, um, my understanding is that the movie kind of reinvents the ending, um, because in the book, Stephen King didn't have them really go into that hotel or anything. So,
2: yeah, I was wondering if that was the case and part of the reason why the movie is like an hour longer than it needs to be
0: (laughs) sure sure yeah and uh there's some other homages in there too when dan says to abra uh you know she basically says you're not dan and then he says okay or she says you're a mask and then he says okay well masks off in the original book that's actually line for line i want to say line for line but um know, whatever but it's very close to what happens in the book with Danny Torrance's dad, Jack Torrance, when that happens, Jack Torrance is carrying a mallet and he smashes the shit out of his own face because he's like masks off then, and then he's like. Oh, so I really wanted Dan in this to be like masks off then and like hit himself with the blunt <laughs> Did end you know of the axe or something. That? <laughs> if it happened, I would have been like, "Holy shit!" But it didn't happen. So <laughs> he just said, "Masks off." But that mm. that's line for line from the original novel as well. So that's some cool. some homagey stuff happening here, which is kind of cool. That would have made it a horror movie for me. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: like, Yeah. Yeah, we talked about body horror last time Ian was on, I believe.
2: Oh, oh yeah. yeah, with the the faces of the, uh, the yes, yeah, uh,
1: slamming yeah. into the window.
2: Oh yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Throwback to episode three. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. episode three. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the hole in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, should we should we end our discussion of the plot here? Because I feel like. There's there's a lot here that really we didn't we didn't there's, really detail but there's, there's, there's so, so much movie <laughs> so much movie there's too much movie in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but I think we hit on the gist of yeah. of the the whole deal. So
1: All right. So if get, that's get it then wrap up. then it's wrap up time and we have our two questions that we need to answer. The first is was this movie scary?
2: Nah. Nah. No. Nope. There there may be like a couple of passing unsettling moments, but it's it's not scary. Yeah. You've seen Oculus, right, Ian? I haven't actually.
0: <gasps> I don't believe so. <laughs> it's so that was I wanna say Mike Flanagan's breakout kind of movie it's actually good it's very good and it's pretty freaky too and it's it's got the this this is why i compared mike flanagan to steven spielberg steven spielberg started with movies like jaws right where there's some real horrific shit that happens in that right Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so visceral and real and then you get i don't know modern day steven spielberg who does like I don't know. I don't even know what's something that he did recently. Uh, oh War God, look
1: movies at... with horses. I don't know. Yeah, War Horse.
0: Okay, yeah. I haven't. I didn't see that. But... I neither. not
1: either. Just I don't know why but that came to me. The
0: the operaticness and the 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 complete inability to tell a story that has an unhappy ending. You know, like everything's got to come down to, and everything was all right, even though it wasn't all right. But everyone who was there is a ghost now, and everyone's happy. That's kind of what happens here. So. Anyway, I don't remember where I was going with that, but, um, not scary. Uh, even if you look at the haunting of Hill house, right. Spoiler for that. I mean, at the end of that, the the novel ends in a very bleak way for the haunting of Hill house and Mike Flanagan taking on that series ends it by inverting the last line of that story and saying, uh, and what something something uh you know the oh god what the hell is it it's like and those who walk at hill house walk alone is what's said in the novel and then in the movie it's and those who walk at hill house or or whatever walks at hill house walks together and that was where i like threw the fucking remote at the tv <laughs> cuz i was like you you just took the heart of the novel and you flipped it because you didn't have the balls to go with like a a hard you know, unhappy ending, like you son of a bitch. So that was my, me kind of falling out of love with, with Mike Flanagan. Yeah.
1: I'm about to say Mike Flanagan, get some
0: balls, man. <laughs> yeah. Like it's okay to tell a story with some fucking teeth every now and then. Yeah. Just, just do it. All right. Yeah. I'm done. Um, so moving on to our second question, does this movie have lasting appeal? This is a controversial question. Hmm. I, I, Oh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna say hard no. <laughs> I think that this movie has nowhere near the appeal, the lasting appeal that the original movie has. And I don't even know that the novel does. I mean that movie So even though we said it's not scary Over the we're still summer talking about it. Over you know? the
1: summer that novel was like one of the most checked out books at the library. I don't know what it was, but this summer, every reading group decided they were going to do Stephen King (laughs) novels, and, like, Mm. Dr. Sleep was the one that kept going out for some reason.
2: I imagine it's that sort of thing where, like, people knew it was out there, and now that they actually had the time to read, there was like, oh,
1: yeah, Mm. Yeah. maybe
2: we should go back and read that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. But when it came out, they were like, oh, I don't know about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I think because I know that there are a lot of die-hard Stephen King fans. A lot of them. I have met quite a few of them. And I love watching their little faces deflate when I tell them how much I don't like Stephen (laughs) King. Um, And I think if you're a ride-or-die Stephen King fan, like a lot of people are, you're going to like this movie. So I think it does have lasting appeal Mm. to that specific...
0: But that's a specific audience yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess i guess in that sense maybe it could be a cult classic for those particular people because
1: yeah. i feel like um okay. no okay. matter what like there's like i feel like there's a kid every day who discovers stephen king and is like yes this guy gets it he's scary i'm gonna read all his books i'm gonna watch the movies and that's like the thing right so like yeah i feel no, that's like john
2: carpenter movie I'm sorry, that was a terrible
1: joke. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate... I love that movie, actually. Like, that's one of my favorite yeah. movies. But, um...
2: We gotta s- do a throwback where we talk Yeah,
1: about I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah. Um But, yeah, I feel like that's just, like, you know, I... Stephen King, he, he is what he is. He's, like, really good at a lot of things, but not so great at a lot of things. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that he... More or less, I mean, he does kind of deserve his little cult following. The man has how many oh,
3: freaking yeah, books out? 100%. Like, like this, so
0: I, I talk shit about Stephen King in the way that, like I don't know. He, yeah. <laughs> say like people can talk shit about the Bible, right? Like it's not <laughs> going anywhere.
3: Stephen <laughs> King, like, he doesn't
0: give a shit what I say. Like, yeah. who cares what I say about Stephen King? Yeah. Like he's he's, you know He, he has some great great oh great <laughs> tweets. <some> great <laughs> tweets great <laughs> oh, wow. tweets Stephen king no as a, as a person as an artist i respect the shit out of Stephen yeah. king um he just i think he really does have different sensibilities than i do and yeah. that's fine um and and yeah he but he fucking owns you know, like so much of horror these days it's yeah, like yeah and goit tweet. hashtag tweets. respect
1: yeah. <laughs> he's got <way>, great tweets
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. nailed it Ian, what do you think? I mean, uh, lasting appeal, maybe. Um, uh, I don't know that it is ever gonna. It, it's never gonna reach like the levels of uh, legendary status that The Shining has. Oh hell no. Um, I think you're right that, that it, it, it has its audience, and those people are gonna like it, and uh, and that's great. Um, for me personally. I when it comes to any media, I'm always looking for something that I connect with on an emotional level or something that moves me or something that just blows my mind in a way that I didn't expect it to. Um, And this didn't really do any of those things. There were there were, (laughs) there were there was the material there for something really moving like I really wanted the moment where. Danny's talking to his dad at that bar in the gold room to really have more emotional weight to it. But yes. because the movie wasn't telling that story up until that point, really, it was kind of telling it in certain points, but it wasn't the focus of the story. That moment didn't have carry that emotional weight. Same thing with that yeah. moment with Abra, where she says, I see you like I did start to feel something there, but it's like, yeah. what you need to build the, the groundwork for that and really focus and hone in. I, I get so frustrated nowadays when filmmakers either because they're on a short time crunch and they don't get the time to revise or edit the way that they really should with, especially with scripts. I'm looking at you, star Wars. Um, (laughs) And, like they don't get they don't take the time to really, OK, what's the story? What What is the actual heart of the story here, especially particularly when it comes to movies, because you only have so much time to tell the story, like in TV series and novels, you get more room to like experiment and try out stuff and explore a wide variety of things. But with a movie, you've you got to find a way to to pare it down and figure out, OK, what is the story that we're telling here? Yeah. And what is not the story that we're telling here? And, and we take those things out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like part of the problem these days, too, not to go off on a whole thing, is though, though, it is that everyone, I, if it's a big enough movie and it's a big enough director, it's almost like there's an assumption that they're going to make a bigger movie that's going to be released on the Blu-ray or the or the 4K version that is the director's cut and then there's going to be the theatrical version and and i want to say that's exactly what happened here too which is like i feel like mike flanagan just approached this and was like we're gonna put it all in there because i'm gonna do however long i want to do in the director's cut and we'll just figure out how to cut it down for the theatrical mm-hmm. because there there is a director's cut out there oh, that jesus is jesus christ yeah it's like a hundred and oh, i'm gonna butcher it um i'm too lazy to look it up on imdb but it's like one hundred and eighty minutes, or something like that. Jeez. So, yeah, it's All right. long.
1: So I think he Wasn't, needs to
0: wait. One hundred eighty minutes
2: isn't that two and a half
0: hours? Hang on, let me <laughs> wait. Two hundred and hold on. Okay, let me let me math um, and look this up real quick.
1: Well, I was gonna say that Ian he was very eloquent as always
0: with his answer, <laughs> well, thank you. and I, tried. I, I liked yes, it. Yes, I know, Ian, you're so goddamn smart. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> I was just gonna say. And a very unintelligent answer that I think this movie, like when you get the DVD, should come packaged with a beer. Although (laughs) that like, that kind of defeats, you know, the AA stuff. So like maybe a chocolate chip cookie instead. So like when you're done watching the movie, you're like, yes, I could have this cookie now. Like I deserve it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Hang on. I'm confused. Hundred and fifty-two minutes for theatrical would be two hours and tw- yeah. twenty-two minutes, which is what we watched, right? Yeah. No, so, then, so wait. You yeah. said
2: hundred 150 yeah. fifty minutes. One hundred and fifty-two. Yeah. One hundred fifty-two. That. Would be, my, yeah. That that's that an is, hour and a that half. That is two. That is two and a half so hours. Wait, wait a minute. So that's, hun-
0: sorry. That yeah. That's two and. Oh my god. I. My brain. Ben's sorry. been drinking. Yeah. You guys. So two, that's two and
2: a half hours. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 180 and minutes would be three hours. I misspoke before. Yes.
0: Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: yep. So 180 minutes. This is for no the Titanic,
0: guy. you guys. <laughs> Ooh. Can we watch Titanic? No. Um, Ian, did you know that <laughs> Titanic? is actually one of my top
2: favorite movies. it's really? like top five for me yeah i i keep catching the end of it on tv and i've never watched it from beginning to end what
0: of. are you saying right now what, what i know did you just say i know i really mouth? should
2: uh, especially after how many times like i have fake played the the oh that tin whistle melody on an actual tin whistle i have <laughs> Um, How
0: long is that movie? That movie is three and a half hours long and wow. it is glorious. So, three and a half hours of pure joy.
1: So you can cut this if you want because it might be too depressing. <laughs> I,
0: did a, I did a chef's oh, kiss geez. there, by the way.
1: Yeah, you can cut this if you want because it might be too depressing. I, but I
0: know where you're going with this,
1: this. This movie has been ruined for me, and um, I can't. I have a hard time watching it now because this was the movie my dad was watching when uh, we officially moved out of my our, our house when my parents oh, got geez. divorced. You and your mom. You yeah. and your mom moved out. Yeah. yeah. So my dad watched this movie while we were like packing up and, the very last oh, of our man. stuff. And so I, I can't watch this
0: movie anymore. <laughs> And I keep saying to Carrie, no, you must reclaim this movie. No. You must watch this movie while good things are happening. So let's watch it every day for the next six months. No. And all that bad stuff will just, it'll, that'll be...
1: And you might want to do, like, a a wellness check.
2: (laughs) No, I was just thinking, like, it's it's weird the things we associate with, like, bad stuff, because, like, weirdly, uh... That's the way it is by Celine Dion. I will always associate with the day I found out that my grandfather passed away because Aww. I was at the hospital earlier and that was playing in like the waiting room or something and then Aww. later on that day, yeah. It's weird, Aww. strange the passage of time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now that's in my head. It's
2: a bummer. Yeah. It's and it's a, it's an earworm, so it sucks when it happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm
2: sorry. Um Oh, uh, we- <laughs>
0: but 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 the takeaway from this entire podcast is titanic is a great movie it is underrated forget the door scene you know people harp on that door where it's like oh she could have whatever she could have moved over no that's the whole point yeah so there you go titanic's great movie thanks for listening
1: okay um so i'm gonna read your factoids that you usually read oh okay uh so just just
0: for some reference. Ooh, this is actually interesting, yeah.
1: And this is for Doctor Sleep. This is not for Titanic.
0: Just wanna, you know. <laughs> Titanic was uh the, just the <laughs> highest just wanna
1: <laughs> remind people where we are.
0: Titanic went very over budget. And okay, we're okay. really worried about if it was gonna make it back.
1: It and did. So biggest um, biggest
0: movie.
1: Spoiler. Okay, okay. So Doctor Sleep. So for reference, the budget for Doctor Sleep was forty five million. The U.S. gross was $31 million.
0: That's so, real bad. Yeah, so it did I, not make it back. I didn't expect that. I mean, the next line is worldwide gross, which, Carrie, you can go on. But but U.S.A. gross, that's, that's bad. It didn't even make back its budget in the U.S. Mm-mm.
2: Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz around it. I remember no. seeing the trailer, like little tv spots and stuff a couple of times but again because the novel didn't really make much of a splash so yeah yeah
1: i'm gonna be honest i didn't even know that ewan Ewan mcgregor was in this like i was like what yeah mcgregor's in this so
0: yeah. yeah
1: worldwide gross was 72 million so I mean overall it, it was okay it wasn't great.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that so this is one thing that I'm not 100% sure about in the in the film industry but I think like when it something is a budget that's just what it takes to make the movie that doesn't include things like advertising no, and, and all that. I so don't know. so yeah. at 72 million worldwide I I think that this they just was, barely made it. Yeah, this was probably a loss for the studio, honestly. So mm-hmm. not good. Um and, and what's weird, when when I when we were talking about does this movie have lasting appeal, it's been a year, right? I actually think I'm hearing more people talking about this movie now than they were a year ago. Yeah. I think
1: COVID might have something to do with
0: yeah. that. Sure. Yeah. People watching. I Marvel don't know. Beast. That's that's just kinda like anecdotal evidence uh, maybe this movie will get legs but again i'm sticking with my answer that's true i don't think it has lasting appeal all right well now is going back to kind of a newer part of uh, of the podcast so it's that time in the episode when we're going to ask our listeners a question and if you post your answer on social media we'll go over your answer during our next episode so Before we get to this episode's question, let's look back at what you said about last episode's question. So we asked if you were in Zombieland Double Tap and it was 10 years after the zombie apocalypse and you could go wherever you wanted to ride out the remainder of the end of the world, where would you go? I said, uh, Area 51, Carrie, you had like a couple different things. Do You remember what you said? All I remember
1: is like Dollywood and Graceland. Yeah. I'm basically yeah. Do- going to Dollywood. Tennessee.
0: Yeah, Dollywood, I think, was the big one for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm just
1: going to Tennessee.
0: Yeah. Um, so a couple answers that we got, real real good stuff. Uh, some, uh, Let's see. Madam Coffin's Musings said Greenbrier Hotel in West Virginia. It's a swanky place to stay, but it was a security bunker for the president. President Kennedy back in the day and i looked this up and holy shit i was like uh yeah good good choice madame
1: west virginia (laughs) mountain mama so that
0: place looks awesome um i never heard about it before but i could totally see president kennedy staying there um and then high priest blaine said Double tap Richard Branson's undead ass and post up on that island from MTV Cribs. <laughs> no question. And if you haven't watched that MTV Cribs. That's great. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a good answer because I, I, I actually looked that up after after we got this response and I was like, Hi Priest Blaine. Yeah, good choice. It's an island. So, you know, it's secluded. It's I think there's like an outside toilet or something. It's 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 pretty swanky. So good nice. choice and then uh ian you might even recognize this name too tyler yanizzi said Uh yep 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 so we've had him on the show um tyler said alaska if blockbuster could survive there for that long anyone can (laughs) good point tyler and
1: yeah ian where would you go
2: yeah I mean, in any of these apocalypse situations, I'm just like, I'm going up to my family's camp in the Adirondacks and just chilling there because it's Perfect. beautiful. Yeah. And like it, the best part about it is actually, uh, this is very fitting. Uh, we we got this property up there when I was like 12 years old or something like that. And for a while it didn't have anything on it. And then we got a garage with a loft built up there and the first time we walked up into the loft it was around the time that like the walking dead had gotten big and like my parents and I were watching that and stuff and so we walk up into the loft and my mom's looking around and she just goes yeah this is pretty defensible in a zombie apocalypse (laughs) completely unprovoked and it was it was pretty awesome
0: good job that's amazing yeah so yeah you've had this figured out for years oh yeah
1: i was gonna say no in all realness i would go straight home to my dad Mm. (laughs) like daddy because my dad knows how to survive (laughs)
0: <laughs> but, but, this is, but this is basically 10 years after the apocalypse. So, yeah, you'd, you'd go there first. And yeah. I, I have oh, my own yeah. individual plans for what we do, you know. Well, um, but Daddy. then 10 years later, I'm like, you know what? 10 years, I'm comfortable. I'm going to Area 51. Yeah. So, no, true fact. All right. Moving on to this episode's question, specifically related to this movie. All right. So, in this movie, Danny Torrance uses his shining abilities to comfort the elderly in their last moments before death. The question is, if you had The Shining, what would you do with it? Where would you be? What would you be doing? So this is kind of a stumper because I'm like,
2: I don't I don't know. Can I can I say, first of all, that like I that was one of the things that I really appreciated like that. Danny using his abilities to comfort the elderly in the Mm -hmm. last moments before death like that. Mm -hmm. That was very endearing to me. Um, It's sort of like again i keep relating stuff back to hannibal but like in yeah. the first episode of hannibal uh will graham comes off as kind of very standoffish and he's that way in the book apparently i haven't, still haven't read the book yet but uh you monster. i have the book i just haven't gotten around to reading it but uh uh red dragon i'm talking yep. about uh but uh w- watching interviews with the showrunner brian fuller he was talking about how like we, we knew we needed some moment in the first episode to get people on Will's side. And so we made him a guy who picks up dogs off the side of the road and just takes <laughs> care of them. And there's this whole scene right in the middle of the episode where, or early on in the episode, where Will is driving home one day and he sees this dog and he's just like, a, he gets it to... he to get into his car and then he cut to him like washing it. And he's got all these other strays that he's collected over the years. It's like, Oh, see, Will Graham's a nice guy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think if I had the shining, I would, I would be straight up. What's his name in, uh, in, in the sixth sense. I think I would just be that guy uh, who was like Cole. Yeah. Cole. I think I'd be like, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to let the ghosts come to me and I'm just going to help them out the most the most that I can. I think I think that would be my my shining choice. Okay. Shine on.
1: See, I feel kind of lame because like I feel like I would do something very similar to what Danny's doing. I would either, but I would probably want to help kids. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah. Um especially like ones that are like in that like hospital and they don't really know what's going on, like they're cancer or like you know those extreme things like yeah. I'd yeah. want to be like there you know letting them know it's okay and calming and reassuring for them that's what I would use mine for
2: It it's, it's tough so nice. <laughs> yeah that is really nice it's It's tough, too, because they they never clearly define what exactly the shining is, if it Mm -hmm. just has to do with death or if it's also like because all the people in that group have so many different sort of things, like they got the pusher and the whatever. But uh, so me, I I'm wondering if it's if it's any in any way connected to like uh, like uh, empathic powers or that sort of thing. And so in that sort of case, I would want to use it. Like, I, I love the idea of using it to to help people get through things, whether it's death or even just, like, tough things that they're going through. The other thing that I started thinking about was, like, if it is a, kind of like a... Because, obviously, Danny and Abra use the ability to communicate with each other telepathically. And so mm-hmm. uh, I started thinking, like, is there a way I could use this to... Like, in jazz, they always talk about how, like... Like you, you, it's about the whole band working together as one and is there a way I could use The Shining for like Mm. when I'm playing with other musicians to just get us all in sync with each other in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. That's really cool
1: and you just gave me another idea of what I would use my tele, like mind powers (laughs) what is it called again? The Shining? No, (laughs) when you communicate Telepathic? Thank you, that's what I was trying to say and I I was confusing myself because, right, so I would use my telepathy to communicate with Donald Trump and make him think.
0: <laughs> Step down, you son of a bitch. Yeah, oh, he would be like, man. where's this
1: voice coming from? <laughs> Concede. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just take over the presidency.
0: Oh, man. You're that's welcome. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh. So you also, you, not only would you help children, but you would also kind of take over the world by possessing the world leaders? Yes. Perfect.
2: That actually reminds me of like one last question I had while watching the movie that we didn't mm-hmm. touch on. Do you guys think Tony was a real person?
0: So that was one of the things I wanted to talk about was that <laughs> I really wanted Tony to be some kind of person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like he was. Like yeah. Dan said that he was uh what dan's interpretation of what the shining was so he kind of invented this this person but yeah when he kind of later in the movie when he's like come on tony you know i need your help tony i was like tony's little boy lives in my mouth because that's what (laughs) what it says in the first movie Mm -hmm. it's like it's like who's tony little boy lives in my mouth (laughs) <laughs> and I really wanted that little boy to just actually appear or something. I don't know how they could have done it without making it real cheesy. I'm, but
2: And as I'm thinking about it, it's like it's another friggin story to throw into this right. movie.
0: <laughs> right. Like, and here I am, Tony. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he would definitely have a top hat, too. <laughs> another top hat there's already
1: a magic hat
0: so many top hats in
1: this movie oh,
0: yeah so but yeah I, I i'm with you though i was like i was wondering about that and i part of me just wanted tony to be because the way that he says it in that first movie is so yeah. self-assured it's you so know? creepy mm-hmm. yeah that's ugh. and that tony tony takes him over at like by the end of this yeah uh, at end of the first one where Danny goes catatonic and it's Tony who's who's walking around going, rad, Rob, rad, yeah. Rob. Like that's Tony. And he
2: does that weird thing with his and, finger. And you almost you you get like, I, I don't know if this counts as a rehearsal because it happens after the fact, but like Danny possesses Abra in this movie.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. true. And so
2: there's definitely precedence for that in this universe. Um, right. And I guess it's just something that, again, with how many things that were thrown into this movie, didn't really have time to explore.
0: Yeah, I I took it in the in the original Shining, I took it as you know how mediums will say that they have a spirit guide. Uh, I thought Tony was going to be Danny's hmm. spirit guide where he's he's actually maybe a dead person or or a spirit that is kind of helping Danny. That's the other dude. Yeah, that in this in this story. yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's Dick Hollerin. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, he you know, I was glad that he showed up again, but you know, part of me is like, what about Tony, a little boy little in my mouth? <laughs> 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 all right, all right. Okay. Um Okay. So so the takeaway from this is uh please let us know what would you do with the shining? Would you be like Carrie and want to take over the world? Or would you want to be like carry and help out children <laughs> <laughs> we contain multitudes that's right that's right yeah, that's uh, so, exactly right so yeah let us know on twitter facebook uh, also instagram we're on there as well
1: and ian um before we go is there anything you want to tell our listeners about do you want to plug anything sure do you want to just sing us a song
2: Ooh, <laughs> sing yeah. us a song you're the piano man there <laughs> you go Yay! Um, First of all, one other last thing that has just been on my mind is like a little thing about the movie. Um, first of all, I really dig Scruffy, and McGregor. I was kind of disappointed when he got yeah. all cleaned up. And two, mm. whenever I see an actor like that go Scruffy, I'm like, well, now I just want to see him in a werewolf movie. Um, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes. So as I mentioned before, I am a musician and uh, you can find my music at... Doherty.bandcamp.com and Ramshkiali.bandcamp.com. Ramshkiali is uh, the band I started with my friend Eric um, Eric Graff and we have since pulled a few other people into the band and uh, we have an album coming out next year I actually kind of have a CD That's release awesome. date figured out but I don't want to say it exactly it's, it's going to be in either like February or March probably um, but there's still things that need to be worked out So I don't want to s- say definitively But keep an eye out for that Ramshki Alley is R-A-M-S-H-K-I And then the word Alley Um nice. yeah, so you can find my music there I also have a Twitch channel now Twitch.tv slash iDoherty451 um, where I play music every other Friday at eight o'clock eastern and every now and again I play video games and stuff so you can awesome. uh, follow me there I'm on Twitter Idorty 45 at, yeah at I 451 um I think it's the same on Instagram and uh, Ian Doherty music on Facebook I have st- things <laughs> um,
1: you, you get around didn't we say that last time too
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> <get> around, <laughs> yeah. two lat two other things i just remembered Let's <laughs> yes, go for it um i am in a game a, a role-playing game called the gate on uh, our friend dave pruners uh oh, yes. twitch channel twitch.tv slash uh i play an abe sapien type fish person named murray <laughs> Who who was initially supposed to have an Australian accent, and then I couldn't nail it down, so I ended up just going with my Irish accent. Nice. Um, I was uh, gonna
0: say Irish Australian, it's all the same. I was gonna
1: say you can't plug Dave because he hasn't listened to our podcast. Oh, that's
2: That's true. That's right. Um, Then I will plug
0: someone else. Uh, I'm gonna tell (laughs) him. I was on his podcast. Check out Electric Dice podcast. Make sure you do that.
2: One other thing that I'm doing is uh, on our friend Zeus's uh, Twitch channel, uh, a pickled cucumber. (laughs) uh Ooh. i am also playing a role playing game on there i play it's a d dungeons and dragons 5th edition game where i play a uh a human rogue named callomyrson who wears a mask that he needs for breathing and uh, he's a rogue slash uh divination wizard and we're actually winding down to the end of that campaign right now and it's getting super dramatic and it's it's really cool so yeah all i do a lot of things all the things <laughs> ian
0: Too much. Honestly, yes. Too much. much. (laughs) Jesus. I Uh, know. How do how do we have energy? What is that? uh, What what is that like? I mean, we do a podcast and and we write, but that's I'm wiped. But yeah, you're awesome, and we will share all of these links and uh, make sure that these things are
2: accessible. Also, thank you guys again so much for having me. This is always uh, a blast.
0: Ian, you are way too smart for this podcast, <laughs> so we are going to continue bringing you on. So well, we uh, we we're actually getting to the end of this season, so yeah. we're going to be starting our next season pretty soon. Um, and uh, you know we got to line up some guests, so stay tuned.
1: All right, so that's it for this episode of Last Year's Horror. If it's your first time listening, don't forget to subscribe to the show and make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for news and announcements.
0: Hey, you did it. I did it. <laughs> All right. Nailed okay. It. Thanks everybody. Thanks Ian. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye.